Chapter Twenty Fourth of *The Heart of Midlothian* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Happy thou art, then happy be, nor envy me my lot. Thy happy state I envy thee, and peaceful cot, Lady Charlotte Campbell the letter which mrs butler when retired into her own apartment perused with anxious wonder was certainly from effie although it had no other signature than the letter e and although the orthography style and penmanship were very far superior not only to anything which effie could produce who though a lively girl had been a remarkably careless scholar but even to her more considerate sister's own powers of composition and expression the manuscript was a fair italian hand although something stiff and constrained the spelling and the diction that of a person who had been accustomed to read good composition and mix in good society the tenor of the letter was as follows my dearest sister at many risks i venture to write to you to inform you that i am still alive and as to worldly situation that i rank higher than i could expect or merit if wealth and distinction and an honourable rank could make a woman happy i have them all but you genie whom the world might think placed far beneath me in all these respects are far happier than i am i have had means of hearing of your welfare my dearest genie from time to time i think i should have broken my heart otherwise i have learned with great pleasure of your increasing family we have not been worthy of such a blessing two infants have been successively removed and we are now childless god's will be done but if we had a child it would perhaps divert him from the gloomy thoughts which make him terrible to himself and others yet do not let me frighten you genie he continues to be kind and i am far better off than i deserve you will wonder at my better scholarship but when i was abroad i had the best teachers and i worked hard because my progress pleased him he is kind genie only he has much to distress him especially when he looks backward when i look backward myself i always have a ray of comfort it is in the generous conduct of a sister who forsook me not when i was forsaken by every one you have had your reward you live happy in the esteem and love of all who know you and i drag on the life of a miserable impostor indebted for the marks of regard i receive to a tissue of deceit and lies which the slightest accident may unravel he has produced me to his friends since the estate opened to him as a daughter of a scotchman of rank 
banished on account of the viscount of dundee's wars that is our father's old friend clavers you know and he says i was educated in a scotch convent indeed i lived in such a place long enough to enable me to support the character but when a countryman approaches me and begins to talk as they all do of the various families engaged in dundee's affair and to make inquiries into my connections and when i see his eye bent on mine with such an expression of agony my terror brings me to the very risk of detection good-nature and politeness have hitherto saved me as they prevented people from pressing on me with distressing questions but how long oh how long will this be the case and if i bring this disgrace on him he will hate me he will kill me for as much as he loves me he is as jealous of his family honour now as ever he was careless about it i have been in england four months and have thought often of writing to you and yet such are the dangers that might arise from an intercepted letter that i have hitherto forborne but now i am obliged to run the risk last week i saw your great friend the d of a he came to my box and sat by me and something in the play put him in mind of you gracious heaven he told over your whole london journey to all who were in the box but particularly to the wretched creature who was the occasion of it all if he had known if he could have conceived beside whom he was sitting and to whom the story was told i suffered with courage like an indian at the stake while they are rending his fibres and boring his eyes and while he smiles applause at each well-imagined contrivance of his torturers it was too much for me at last genie i fainted and my agony was imputed partly to the heat of the place and partly to my extreme sensibility and hypocrite all over i encouraged both opinions anything but discovery luckily he was not there but the incident has more alarms i am obliged to meet your great man often and he seldom sees me without talking of e d and j d and r b and d d as persons in whom my amiable sensibility is interested my amiable sensibility and then the cruel tone of light indifference with which persons in the fashionable world speak together on the most affecting subjects to hear my guilt my folly my agony the foibles and weaknesses of my friends even your heroic exertions genie spoken of in the drolling style which is the present tone in fashionable life scarce all that i formerly endured is equal to this state of irritation then it was blows and stabs now it is pricking to death with needles and pins he i mean the d goes down next month 
to spend the shooting season in scotland he says he makes a point of always dining one day at the man's be on your guard and do not betray yourself should he mention me yourself alas you have nothing to betray nothing to fear you the pure the virtuous the heroine of unstained faith unblemished purity what can you have to fear from the world or its proudest minions it is e whose life is once more in your hands it is e whom you are to save from being plucked of her borrowed plumes discovered branded and trodden down first by him perhaps who has raised her to this dizzy pinnacle the enclosure will reach you twice a year do not refuse it it is out of my own allowance and may be twice as much when you want it with you it may do good with me it never can write to me soon jeanie or i shall remain in the agonizing apprehension that this has fallen into wrong hands address simply to l s under cover to the rev george whiterose in the minster close york he thinks i correspond with some of my noble jacobite relations who are in scotland how high church and jacobitical zeal would burn in his cheeks if he knew he was the agent not of euphemia Setoon of the honourable house of winton but of e d daughter of a cameronian cow-feeder jeanie i can laugh yet sometimes but god protect you from such mirth my father i mean your father would say it was like the idle crackling of thorns but the thorns keep their poignancy they remain unconsumed farewell my dearest jeanie do not show this even to mr butler much less to any one else i have every respect for him but his principles are over strict and my case will not endure severe handling i rest your affectionate sister e in this long letter there was much to surprise as well as to distress mrs butler that effie her sister effie should be mingling freely in society and apparently on not unequal terms with the duke of argyle sounded like something so extraordinary that she even doubted if she read truly not was it less marvellous that in the space of four years her education should have made such progress jeanie's humility readily allowed that effie had always when she chose it been smarter at her book than she herself was but then she was very idle and upon the whole had made much less proficiency love or fear or necessity however had proved an able schoolmistress and completely supplied all her deficiencies what jeanie least liked in the tone of the letter was a smothered degree of egotism we should have heard little about her said jeanie to herself but that she was feared the duke might come to learn what she was and all about her poor friends here but effie poor thing i looks her own way and folk that do that think more of themselves than of their neighbours i am no clear about keeping her siller she added 
taking up a fifty-pound note which had fallen out of the paper to the floor we have enough and it looks unco like theft boot or hush money as they call it she might have been sure that i would say nothing would harm her for all the gold in lunnon and i maun tell the minister about it i dinna see that she should be so feared for her own bonny bargain of a good man and that i shouldna reverence mr butler just as much and so i'll even tell him when that tippling body the captain has taken boat in the morning but i wonder at my own state of mind she added turning back after she had made a step or two to the door to join the gentleman surely i am no sick of fool as to be angry that effie's a bra lady while i am only a minister's wife and yet i am as petted as a bairn when i should bless god that he has redeemed her from shame and poverty and guilt as over likely she might have been plunged into sitting down upon a stool at the foot of the bed she folded her arms upon her bosom saying within herself from this place i will not rise till i am in a better frame of mind and so placed by dint of tearing the veil from the motives of her little temporary spleen against her sister she compelled herself to be ashamed of them and to view as blessings the advantages of her sister's lot while its embarrassments were the necessary consequences of errors long since committed and thus she fairly vanquished the feeling of pique which she naturally enough entertained at seeing effie so long the object of her care and her pity soar suddenly so high above her in life as to reckon amongst the chief objects of her apprehension the risk of their relationship being discovered when this unwonted burst of amour proper was thoroughly subdued she walked down to the little parlour where the gentlemen were finishing their game and heard from the captain a confirmation of the news intimated in her letter that the duke of argyle was shortly expected at rosineth he'll find plenty of moorfowls and plackcock on the moors of auchengower and he'll pay no doubt for taking a late dinner and a ped at the manse as he has done before now he has a good right captain said jeanie tell one potter to any ped in the kentra answered the captain and ye had potter tell your father poor body to get his beasts all in order and put his tamned cameronian nonsense out of his head for twa or three days if he can be so obliging for fan i speak to him about prout pestle he answers me out of the pible whilk is not using a shentleman well unless it be a person of your cloth mr butler no one understood better than jeanie the merit of the soft answer which turneth away wrath and she only smiled and hoped that his grace would find everything that was under her father's care to his entire satisfaction 
but the captain who had lost the whole postage of the letter at backgammon was in the pouting mood not unusual to losers and which says the proverb must be allowed to them and master putler though you know i never meddle with the things of your kirk sessions yet i must be allowed to say that i will not be pleased to allow ailey mcclure of deephouf to be punished as a witch in respect she only spays fortunes and does not lame or blind or pedevil any persons or coo cadgers cards or any sort of mischief but only tells people good fortunes as anent our poets killing so many seals and dogfishes whilk is very pleasant to hear the woman said butler is i believe no witch but a cheat and it is only on that head that she is summoned to the kirk session to cause her to desist in future from practising her impostures upon ignorant persons i do not know replied the gracious duncan what her practices or postures are but i believe that if the poise take hold on her to duck her in the clack and pern it will be a very sorry practice and i believe moreover that if i come in thirds man among you at the kirk sessions you will be all in a tamed bad posture indeed without noticing this threat mr butler replied that he had not attended to the risk of ill-usage which the poor woman might undergo at the hands of the rabble and that he would give her the necessary admonition in private instead of bringing her before the assembled session this duncan said was speaking like a reasonable gentleman and so the evening passed peaceably off next morning after the captain had swallowed his morning draught of at-hole bros and departed in his coach and six mrs butler anew deliberated upon communicating to her husband her sister's letter but she was deterred by the recollection that in doing so she would unveil to him the whole of a dreadful secret of which perhaps his public character might render him an unfit depositary butler already had reason to believe that effie had eloped with that same robertson who had been a leader in the porteous mob and who lay under sentence of death for the robbery at kirkcaldy but he did not know his identity with george staunton a man of birth and fortune who had now apparently resumed his natural rank in society jeanie had respected staunton's own confession as sacred and upon reflection she considered the letter of her sister as equally so and resolved to mention the contents to no one on reperusing the letter she could not help observing the staggering and unsatisfactory condition of those who have risen to distinction by undue paths and the outworks and bulwarks of fiction and falsehood 
by which they are under the necessity of surrounding and defending their precarious advantages but she was not called upon she thought to unveil her sister's original history it would restore no right to any one for she was usurping none it would only destroy her happiness and degrade her in the public estimation had she been wise jeanie thought she would have chosen seclusion and privacy in place of public life and gaiety but the power of choice might not be hers the money she thought could not be returned without her seeming haughty and unkind she resolved therefore upon reconsidering this point to employ it as occasion should serve either in educating her children better than her own means could compass or for their future portion her sister had enough was strongly bound to assist jeanie by any means in her power and the arrangement was so natural and proper that it ought not to be declined out of fastidiousness or romantic delicacy jeanie accordingly wrote to her sister acknowledging her letter and requesting to hear from her as often as she could in entering into her own little details of news chiefly respecting domestic affairs she experienced a singular vacillation of ideas for sometimes she apologized for mentioning things unworthy the notice of a lady of rank and then recollected that everything which concerned her should be interesting to effie her letter under the cover of mr whiterose she committed to the post-office at glasgow by the intervention of a parishioner who had business at that city the next week brought the duke to rosineth and shortly afterwards he intimated his intention of sporting in their neighbourhood and taking his bed at the manse an honour which he had once or twice done to its inmates on former occasions effie proved to be perfectly right in her anticipations the duke had hardly set himself down at mrs butler's right hand and taken upon himself the task of carving the excellent barn-door chucky which had been selected as the high dishes upon this honourable occasion before he began to speak of lady staunton of willingham in lincolnshire and the great noise which her wit and beauty made in london for much of this jeanie was in some measure prepared but effie's wit that would never have entered into her imagination being ignorant how exactly raillery in the higher rank resembles flippancy among their inferiors she has been the ruling bell the blazing star the universal toast of the winter said the duke and is really the most beautiful creature that was seen at court upon the birthday the birthday and at court jeanie was annihilated remembering well her own presentation all its extraordinary circumstances and particularly the cause of it i mention this lady particularly to you mrs butler said the duke because she has something in the sound of her voice and cast of her countenance that reminded me of you not when you look so pale though 
you have over-fatigued yourself you must pledge me in a glass of wine she did so and butler observed it was dangerous flattery in his grace to tell a poor minister's wife that she was like a court beauty oh ho mr butler said the duke i find you are growing jealous but it's rather too late in the day for you know how long i have admired your wife but seriously there is betwixt them one of those inexplicable likenesses which we see in countenances that do not otherwise resemble each other the perilous part of the compliment has flown off thought mr butler his wife feeling the awkwardness of silence forced herself to say that perhaps the lady might be her countrywoman and the language might have made some resemblance you are quite right replied the duke she is a scotchwoman and speaks with a scotch accent and now and then a provincial word drops out so prettily that it is quite doric mr butler i should have thought said the clergyman that would have sounded vulgar in the great city not at all replied the duke you must suppose it is not the broad coarse scotch that is spoken in the cowgate of edinburgh or in the gorbals this lady has been very little in scotland in fact she was educated in a convent abroad and speaks that pure court scotch which was common in my younger days but it is so generally disused now that it sounds like a different dialect entirely distinct from our modern patois notwithstanding her anxiety jeanie could not help admiring within herself how the most correct judges of life and manners can be imposed on by their own preconceptions while the duke proceeded thus she is of the unfortunate house of winton i believe but being bred abroad she had missed the opportunity of learning her own pedigree and was obliged to me for informing her that she must certainly come of the sentence of windigool i wish you could have seen how prettily she blushed at her own ignorance amidst her noble and elegant manners there is now and then a little touch of bashfulness and conventual rusticity if i may call it so that makes her quite enchanting you see at once the rose that had bloomed untouched amid the chaste precincts of the cloister mr butler true to the hint mr butler failed not to start with his at flos inceptus secretus nascitur hortus etc while his wife could hardly persuade herself that all this was spoken of effie deans and by so competent a judge as the duke of argyle and had she been acquainted with catullus would have thought the fortunes of her sister had reversed the whole passage she was however determined to obtain some indemnification for the anxious feelings of the moment by gaining all the intelligence she could and therefore ventured to make some inquiry about the husband of the lady his grace admired so much he is very rich replied the duke of an ancient family and has good manners but he is far from being such a general favourite as his wife some people say he can be very pleasant 
i never saw him so but should rather judge him reserved and gloomy and capricious he was very wild in his youth they say and has bad health yet he is a good-looking man enough a great friend of your lord high commissioner of the kirk mr butler then he is the friend of a very worthy and honourable nobleman said butler does he admire his lady as much as other people do said jeanie in a low voice who sir george they say he is very fond of her said the duke but i observe she trembles a little when he fixes his eye on her and that is no good sign but it is strange how i am haunted by this resemblance of yours to lady staunton in look and tone of voice one would almost swear you were sisters jeanie's distress became uncontrollable and beyond concealment the duke of argyle was much disturbed good-naturedly ascribing it to his having unwittingly recalled to her remembrance her family misfortunes he was too well-bred to attempt to apologize but hastened to change the subject and arrange certain points of dispute which had occurred betwixt duncan of knock and the minister acknowledging that his worthy substitute was sometimes a little too obstinate as well as too energetic in his executive measures mr butler admitted his general merits but said he would presume to apply to the worthy gentleman the words of the poet to maricinus asinius manu non bella uterus in joco atque vino the discourse being thus turned on parish business nothing farther occurred that can interest the reader End of chapter twenty fourth